Good evening, everyone. I appreciate you all being here. We are stewards of God. It's something I don't think we think about as much as we should. Everything we have is from God. Everything. That's a sobering thought. Let's begin by looking at a scripture we don't normally use for stewardship, but let's read it. I think it's appropriate. Luke chapter 12, beginning in 35. Verse 35. Luke chapter 12, verse 35. Let your waist be girded and your lamps burning. And you yourselves be like men who wait for their master when he will return from the wedding that, many he, that when he comes and knocks they may open to him immediately. Blessed are those servants whom the master, when he comes, will find watching. Assuredly, I say to you that he will gird himself and have them sit down to eat and will come and serve them. And if he should come in the second watch or come in the third watch and find them so, blessed are those servants. But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore, you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Then Peter said to him, Lord, do you speak this parable only to us or to all people? The Lord said, Who then is that faithful and wise steward whom his master will make ruler over his household to give them their portion of food in due season. Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you that he will make him ruler over all that he has. But if that master says in his heart, my master, but if that servant says in his heart, my master is delaying his coming and begins to beat the male and female servants and to to eat and drink and be drunk, the master of that servant will come on a day when he is not looking for him and at an hour when he is not aware and will cut him, into, cut him in two and appoint him his portion with the unbelievers. And that servant who knew his master's will and did not prepare himself or do according to his will shall be beaten with many stripes. But he who did know yet committed things deserving of stripes shall be beaten with few. For if he had, who did not know, that makes it different, yet committed things deserving of stripes shall be beaten with few. For everyone to whom much is given, from him much will be required, and to him and to whom much has been committed, of him they will ask the more. So we know that we are only temporary residents of the earth. God gives us a significant volume of instructions 
about how we're going to view and to use things. We know that Jesus taught us how to use money and how to use other things. For example, one out of seven words spoken by Jesus in the New Testament was about using things. That means it's very important. 16 out of 38 of the parables were about possessions. And 15% of the teachings of Jesus were about things. And this theme is throughout the New Testament. There are 500 references to prayer, approximately. A few less referencing faith, but money and possessions are addressed more than a thousand times. So we need to think about it. God thinks it's important. So why does God place such importance on things? Well, if you think about it, your attitude towards things affects you throughout your entire life. If you remember when you were a child, perhaps you had a small allowance. I remember receiving uh, five cents per week. It went a lot further back then. You learned that you could get things with that little bit of money. If you saved it up, you could get more. It gave you independence. If you paid, perhaps you could choose what kind of candy you wanted. You soon learned to save money, maybe in a piggy bank. If you were lucky, it would last until it was full and not be broken open. And if you were an American, you learned fairly quickly you can spend more than you make. Not a good thing. Credit. And many who are approaching retirement, or there already, are dealing with a 401k. They worry they'll, whether they'll have enough. But we still have to remember one thing. Matthew chapter 6, verses 16 through 34, seek God's kingdom first. Don't put your trust in money. It affects your attitude throughout your life. And we know that all people are vulnerable to the temptations associated with money. We see it every day. The very first sin was motivated by a desire to have something, something more. You see it and you desire it. Does that sound familiar? We're, we're still the same way today, aren't we? Eve reasoned that it was a good thing to have. She re rejected God's authority and she took it. 
Well, things can be very seductive in every era and every culture. 1 John 2 and 15, we are told, Do not love the world, nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So we have to be careful. So one's attitude toward money is really, you might say, an acid test of his character, his faith, and his relationship with God. So how do we evaluate what's truly important to us? Well, when we're asked that question, we usually give an answer of what we should believe, what should be important to us. But if you look at our checkbook registry, you'll see what's really important to us. We know that we should spend our money on things that are godly, but we spend our money on what is truly of value to us. No matter what we say is important. In the area of benevolence, James tells us in chapter 2, it is easy to say be warm and filled, but only those who assist actually love. There are a lot of good things we can do with our money if we choose to. So we know the world is seductive and very deceitful. Luke chapter 12, verse 34, right before the scripture we read, where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. If we want our heart to be on spiritual things, we have to first put our treasure there. It's difficult for us to do, isn't it? Especially in the world today. We have so many choices, so many things looking at us. All the TV commercials. We know that Satan will not come right out and tell us to leave God and follow him. That's not how he works, is it? He says, just look at that fruit. Doesn't it look good? Try it. It will make you wise. Doesn't that sound like a modern TV commercial? Um, I remember some of these beer commercials. You get all kinds of things if you drink this brand of beer. <laughs> we also know that debt tends to enslave us. Once we get into debt, even if we want to do other things, we can't do it. So we have to be careful all our life not to let debt take over. And I won't go into our nation's debt, but it has, we have a lot. And we can never get out of it totally. If we had all the money in the world, we couldn't pay off our debt. 
So we have to realize that. As far as our character, as individuals, we have fallen deep, deeply in love with things. The things of the world, if you really think about it, we become enslaved with them. As a nation, we want what we want, when we want it, so we borrow to get it. And that makes it worse, doesn't it? The American culture is destroying the Lord's church. Satan is winning. So what can we do if we expect to change directions. Well, we know that God owns the world and what is in it. We're told in Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 14, Behold to the Lord your God belong heaven and the highest heavens, the earth and all that is in it. So the earth belongs to God. Leviticus 25, 23. The land, moreover, shall not be sold permanently, for the land is mine. For you are but aliens and sojourners with me. Psalm chapter 50, verse 9. I shall take no young bull out of your house, nor male goats out of your folds, for every beast of the forest is mine. the cattle on a thousand hills. So therefore, we are nothing but stewards using that which belongs to another, to God. So we have to be good stewards. Something else we forget. We are property of God. The earth is the Lord's and all it contains the world and those who dwell in it. Psalm 24, verse 1. Now why are we gods? He created us. If you build something, it's yours, in spite of what uh, some of the politicians have told us recently. If we build it, it is ours. Even though men will rebel, God will never, he will never relinquish ownership. We'll either be with him in heaven or we'll be in hell. One of two places. We will not have a choice. Ezekiel 18 chapter, or verse 4 tells us this. Behold, all souls are mine. The soul of the Father as well as the soul of the Son is mine. The soul who sins will die. We know that Christians have been redeemed. So there is hope. 1 Corinthians 16. Or do you not... 
do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? For you have been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. And something we don't think about sometimes. God, as the owner, decides who gets what. Haggai chapter 2, verse 8. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord of hosts. God gives to whom he chooses. And he takes away when he chooses. He also gives us the power to get wealth. Deuteronomy chapter 8. Verse 16. In the wilderness he fed you manna which your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and that he might test you to do good for you in the end. Otherwise you may say in your heart, my power and the strength of my hand made me this wealth. So, the definition that we are but stewards of God's possessions. Stewards must prove themselves to be trustworthy. There's a relationship to our scripture. In 1 Corinthians 4 we read, Let a man regard us in this manner as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. In this case, moreover, it is required of stewards that one be found trustworthy. Stewards are held accountable. Accountable for their stewardship of the owner's possessions. Now the very function of being a steward demands accountability, doesn't it? If you are a steward, you are accountable. And if you remember, Jesus used this in many parables. The one about talents in Matthew chapter 25. The unrighteous steward in Luke 16. And the unjust steward in our text. So in conclusion, what does this mean to us? How do we apply it to our lives? We all understand that we need to be grateful for all that God has given us. We know that we have only what God has given us. And he's given us the ability to gather wealth. And he can take it away at any time. But remember, each blessing is a test. Will we use it to honor God? Or will we use it for our enjoyment? And we will be called into account. We have to remember this. 
So knowing that we are just stewards of what we possess, the question is how much must we give? Or it's not just how much must we give, but how much of God's stuff may we keep for ourselves? It's a little different when you think about it that way, isn't it? We have to remember that our stewardship on earth is nothing but an interview to see if we will serve God in eternity or be separated for eternity. So I ask you, how is your stewardship? Are you accounting for God? Are you accounting for what you have been given? Are you honoring God? Or are you serving your own interest? And we're not talking about monetarily. Are you working for God? There are so many abilities in this congregation. We're so diverse. There's so many things that people can do, and we see examples of it every day. And it takes every one of us, doesn't it? With no elders, no preacher, we're going to have to work. And we're going to have to be stewards of what we have and take care of it. So the lesson is yours. If something is troubling you about your life, perhaps you don't feel you're the steward you should be and you would like to change your life and repent. Or if you haven't put on God in baptism or Christ in baptism to begin your walk and someday be with him in heaven. This is the perfect time for you to come forward. Come forward as we stand and sing the invitation song.